You're listening to the Be Well Cartel podcast. We are three badass female coaches from around the globe who are here to debunk the typical go harder fitness and diet advice and guide you to make your own definition of health and wellness. Join us each week for conversation, information, interviews, dry humor, dad jokes, and more. So I had some really good pizza yesterday that I can't wait to tell you guys about. I saw this on your Instagram stories and I was like, I'm not even a pizza person. And that pizza, I was like, ooh, tell us. I'm very, very good. I'm not a pizza person either. Like I'm the kind of person where, um, so about when I was in my twenties and wow, that makes me sound old. Um, I just want to say we probably (laughs) lost so many. We also saw so many (laughs) listeners by saying we're not pizza people. Everyone's like, oh my God, (laughs) what's wrong with these women? And so I went, cause I remember I went gluten-free when I was like 25 because it was like had really bad fatigue and was just like, literally would sit at my desk at work and want to fall asleep. And so I started reading up about gluten-free and I went gluten-free. And so for a really long time, like pizza was not even like an option for me. And to be honest, like I'm not like a bread person or like a pizza person, but I love like baked goods. But now that I eat, you know, I eat gluten occasionally. It's not something like I don't, eat a ton of sandwiches, but it's not something that I cut out of my diet anymore. And I was like, okay, I really need to try this pizza place. And it's like one of the top 50 pizza places in Europe or something like that. And, um, and I went and it was just like this glorious, they make their pizza with sourdough, um, with sourdough pizza dough. And it's like this glorious, like cacophony of like chewiness and like a little bit of saltiness. Sourdough pizzas are the best pizzas. But also tell us the name of the place because oh. people who are listening, they'll be like, you teases. Like, tell us. It's called La Balmesina. La Balmesina. Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you guys come visit me, we will go eat there. Don't you worry. We will go well, get Well, like I said, Julian, pizza. Kevin, my husband, very much wants to go to Barcelona when he comes to visit. So depending what quarantine situations are like, we'll try. Oh, I Perfect. want to go to Barcelona. But that, um, you know, talking about pizza and then talking about gluten-free and not really eating bread, like the whole bread conversation is just so interesting. And I haven't really ever been a bread person. So growing up, I never had toast or bread. Like I just never really had it. And so it was never really a thing. Um, but then it became a thing without being a thing. And so then you know, as I got older and I became more restrictive with food, I was just like, I'm gluten-free. And actually I don't need to be gluten-free at all. But for so many years, I lived by this, this rule and this belief that I had to be gluten-free because if I had bread, then my tummy would get, get really sore. And it's just not even true at all. And now I have bread and it's just like the most freeing, amazing thing. But it is so true for so many women. I think that we have this like, thing against bread and it's like it's literally made up of protein it's made out of carbs and it's made out of fat just like any other food and the crazy thing is so I just finished reading the mind gut connection by Emron Mayer which I know Holly I know you've read that Olivia have you read that one and, I haven't um, read it, but it's on my list. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, it was interesting. A lot of the stuff that he said kind of like confirmed stuff that we've talked about or that we already know, which is that like your gut is very much affected by your emotions and vice versa. And so it's really interesting because looking back now on like all the times when I was like so worried about eating gluten and so scared about like, oh no, is this going to make my stomach hurt? And it's like, 
yeah, I may have caused myself to bloat or feel uncomfortable just because I was so damn stressed out about it. And it's interesting because so many people in the States that are gluten-free come to Europe and they eat gluten and they're like, oh yeah, I had pizza in Italy and it was totally fine. And there's like, so like this double question, whereas it's like, how much of it has to do with how food is actually processed in Europe versus how it's processed in the States, but how much of it has to do with you were on vacation, you were relaxed, you weren't stressed out, you had no cares in the world. And so that's where, you know, for me, when I cut out gluten, it definitely benefited me as far as energy, digestion, a ton of things. But then it's also, wondering like how much of that had to do with the fact that it was you know partly a placebo effect and partly because I switched out things like wraps and you know whatever other gluten-filled things I was eating which I never really was a bread person either but whatever other gluten things with like salads and and more nutrient-dense foods right yeah and then also foods that you weren't stressing yourself out about that's that stress part can't be overstated and like the the way you perceive your food also can't be overstated and it's the same thing when it comes to emotional eating right which is that a lot of people emotionally eat then feel terrible afterwards and then go it's because I ate that that like quote unquote bad food that I shouldn't have been eating and so often it was nothing to do with the food it was actually to do with like the emotional state with which you went into it on the bread thing I'm almost opposite because when I grew up I grew up as a vegetarian and so we ate a lot of sandwiches because my mom was like, what are these vegetarian kids eat? Because all of us, there's three of us. Cheese sandwiches, us right? Always, but we didn't like cheese. I, I like, oh. okay. So there was many problems. It would always be like one of us would like something and then two of us wouldn't or the, or the other way around. So peanut butter sandwiches were what I ate every day for probably like the first 15 years of my life. Every According to Game Changers, day. it's very high protein. <laughs> yeah. <Great>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but that's exactly it, right? And my mom still is like, oh yeah, I'm having nuts for my protein. And I'm like, mom. But anyway, I digress. But then when I went to China, bread in China is is atrocious. Um, it's basically like brioche, like, like bad brioche, like not fluffy, tasty brioche, but like bread with loads of sugar in it. And so I ended up just not eating bread because it was terrible there and therefore when I ate bread again and the same thing happened with dairy too like people in China don't have a lot of dairy and so I didn't have dairy very much for like years and then when you add it back in at first your body might be like whoa wait like what's this thing that I haven't tried to digest for like years on end but then if you give it some time and let your body adjust it sometimes ends up absolutely fine and I I can vouch for like you said Holly the bread and in Asia often is not good at all. And I don't eat a lot of bread, but English muffins are my jam. And I've recently discovered them and I just really, really like yeah, them. Yeah, we just call um, them muffins. The, yeah, the <laughs> but, um, but um, you know, just on that, how impactful stress can be on our digestive system. It is just, holy smokes, it is massive. And this is where so much, you know, if there isn't a diagnosis of like, you know, a clinical diagnosis of gluten intolerance or IBS and stuff like that, then so much of it is how we eat rather than what we eat, right? And I know that I've worked with a couple of clients where they have had foods that they've really, really demonized. And then we've worked on bringing these things back in and experimenting with different foods, you know, like encouraging them to try a food that they haven't had for so long because they had rules around it or whatever, and doing it in a really calm environment and then being like, okay, cool. Like, how did you feel afterwards? And their digestion is absolutely fine. And so the way that we eat is such an important 
aspect of, of all of this rather than so much focus on what to eat. And it brings us back to the stress conversation, right? Which is something that I've had a couple of clients recently that have been really, really struggling with stress and really struggling with, you know, for example, at work, feeling like they're constantly under stress, even though there isn't really anything to be stressed about. And so that, you know, then when they, they're telling me like, oh, you know, like my digestion has been really slow this week. It's like creating that connection between like, okay, like this is happening emotionally, but this is how your body is reacting physically. And I think that there's so much that we can learn just from paying attention to our gut and what is happening there, which is one of the things that I really loved. Like, I don't, to be completely honest, full disclosure, like I liked the, the Emron Mayer book. Like I liked the mind gut connection, but I feel like there were some points that like he went maybe a little bit too down a rabbit hole in. I thought it would have been really amazing if he had had more like actionable steps for people. But I think that is the problem with someone coming from a science background, right? Is that he is coming from a background of a lot, a lot of research. And this is like the difference between yeah a lot of generalizing doctors versus like a a coach or someone who's specializing in like interpersonal relationships and then for me I liked the I liked a lot of what he was talking about with like my connection but when he went more into the nutrition side of that stuff I was like "Mm, out this is a lot of outdated research yeah the the or or referring to it in like not quite the right context yeah, when he went into like low you animal need to, fat, blah, yeah, blah, blah. yeah, yeah, that was and that was a little bit like okay, well, you know, I, everything in moderation, and I think that you made some really good points on the stress side, but yes, I mean, it goes to show you like why why people are so confused about things in general because we can read a book written by a doctor and agree with a lot of it and yet not agree with other parts of it. And most people wouldn't know how to differentiate between those things, like all or nothing. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, I and was I think that- actually, I was on uh, Clubhouse the other day and I was just in a room and they were talking about how there are, it's quite interesting, whenever a doctor comes into a room, they kind of flag everyone else and bring the doctors up and only let the like doctors speak. And there is this guy in Clubhouse and his name is Dr. Someone, someone. And they brought him up to the stage and they're like, okay, you're a doctor. Like, what do you think? He's like, oh, I'm actually, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. Like, this is my nickname. And he just kind of like has this thing. And then every, everyone ga- gave him priority because he had Dr. Someone in front of his name. But anyway, the, the thing of it was like the conversation was that there are so many doctors in Clubhouse real that are giving out such unhelpful information because it's just so biased. I mean, this is in the fitness, health, nutrition space, everything. We always need to look for where is this bias and what do I need to challenge here so that I'm actually extracting information and then applying it to to me. Yeah. And this actually, I love that you brought that up about the doctor. So I was in a room the other day with a sleep doctor And we need to get her on the podcast because she was absolutely awesome. But she did say something that was really interesting. And Holly, I'd like to hear what you have to say about this. Because she was like, you know what? Everybody says that you need to go to bed and wake up within like a one hour window on, on each side or around the same time every night. She's like, I don't agree with that. 
She's like, I don't think that's true. She's like, cause some nights I just want to stay up super late and watch Netflix and that's totally fine. And I was like, interesting. I mean, I okay. just thought it was a really interesting way to, oh, to kind right. of throw that out to a room of people that don't necessarily have context. Because I think what she meant to say is that now that my sleep habits are solid and I have a quality pattern of sleep, I can be more flexible with these things. Whereas like, like everything context matters. And so this is where I think that, for example, with the Emerin, going back to the Emerin Mayer book is like, you know, talking about being lower in animal fat, it's like, okay, lower in animal fat compared to the standard American diet where you're eating like bologna sandwich. Well, nobody eats bologna anymore, but um, <laughs> where you're eating like, you know, or even, even potentially here in Spain where like I have clients where I have to be like, hey, let's try to like, you know, limit your red meat intake to a couple of times a week. And we're, like, we shouldn't be eating sausages every day for lunch. Yes, on the sleep front, that's exactly what I was going to say, Jillian, which is like the context really matters because in the same way that we're starting off with our nutrition clients or with our workout clients, like they're, we're probably going to give them a structure to start off with. They haven't done this before. And if they're struggling with something and be like, here's the structure, like work within this first to see how it works for you and then start branching side to side into what works for your personal lifestyle and it's the same thing we talked about too with boundaries which is that you don't necessarily want it to be a rule like you can never go to bed outside of that one hour window but if you're struggling with sleep right now and you don't have a good routine with it start with the routine first before you start just being like sleep doctor said it's fine so I'm just going to sleep whenever I want because you haven't tried the consistency yet to actually know how that works for you that is just so important and this this kind of goes along um kind of like what you did with your this week with your clients um Jillian where you had that oh you had that free call right where Mm -hmm. you're talking about finding what works for you and this is a thing is like there's all this stuff about agency and autonomy and I mean this is the kind of stuff that we all talk about right it's definitely language that I use a lot but we cannot have agency and autonomy if we don't know what we're doing you only know what you know and that's why having structure is so key like having a plan having structure is so important so that you can actually like you said holly have flexibility have autonomy apply the things that actually make sense for you within a framework um and this is this is just something that i talk about all the time like with fitness you know is that when people are talking about like joyful movement and Um, intuitive movement and stuff like that and it's like that doesn't make sense if you don't actually know how to actually change things like the practical element of exercise prescription and and stuff like that you know and actually understand how to do the skill of auto-regulation and self-regulation within that. What you bring up is an incredibly like how do we blow this up and put it on a billboard somewhere where it's like when we're looking at if everything is a pyramid right and we want we're we're building the base of the pyramid it's like you can start to be flexible once the base is built right and so this is why like on on this call so I had that that first group coaching call last night that I you know opened up to everybody and and wanted to to start building a community that I can really share you know, mostly mainly nutrition information, information about mindful eating, information about how to get these things to sort of apply to you. And so what you're saying, Olivia, is, you know, essentially what I was trying to do with this first call is you hear all the time, like, do what works for you. But it's like, 
how on earth are you supposed to know what works for you if all you're going off of is like the shiny, the shiny things that you see on Instagram or like, you know, you have so much conflicting, you have don't eat carbs. Okay. You need to eat carbs. Don't eat fat, only eat fat, eat five meals a day, you know, don't eat breakfast. And it's like, well, which one is it? And how do I know how that applies to me? Because it could be all of them for, you know, seven other people, but I am an individual that has individual needs and how do I apply that to myself? And I think that that can kind of take us towards what we want to talk about today because it's something that we all figured out because we used to be CrossFit athletes and none of us are actually doing, CrossFit athlete, athletes and coaches and none of us are actually doing it right now. Why? Well, I think that? that this, I think that this kind of ties into this conversation as well. I mean, something that can happen in that um, like CrossFit space or like high intensity training space or a functional fitness space is, well, exercise space, fitness, is that there's so much accessible to us, which is wonderful, you know, um, but when you're doing random workouts all the time, then that is when I see people who are getting so frustrated, right? So this comes back to this like structure thing. When you've got structure, what is it? Um, who was it? It's Jocko Willink, isn't it? That says, um, ah, I can't remember. I'll remember in a second. When you've got like chaos with your workouts and your training, then you're not making progress. Same with nutrition. You're not making progress. Then you get frustrated. Then you're getting burnt out. And then you're like, what's, what is even the point of all this anyway? And I think that CrossFit, because it's varied by nature it's random by nature and the protocol of crossfit is talked about variants and that is the thing that has been actually so troublesome for so many people and so yeah we're going to go into this today and i think one of the interesting things is although it's varied by nature which feeds into that chaos lack of structure piece we talked about although it's varied depending on the gym you go to there's also like this sphere of specific crossfit movements that that get emphasized within most gyms programming and so you might also have this aura of variance but it's not actually that varied particularly in terms of like the directions that we move and like the twisting versus back and forth versus side to side like there's not much variance in that in CrossFit but maybe we'll get into that later as we go into sort of why we love and also don't love CrossFit but maybe we can start off first of all with just talking about our own backgrounds with CrossFit a little bit just so that listeners have context with what our personal experience is with it because we all have slightly different experience um and Jillian mentioned CrossFit athletes and you know at least personally for me I never competed in CrossFit so I did CrossFit I coached CrossFit for uh probably the better part of of seven years Um, but I never actually took part in a CrossFit competition and we can get into that. Uh, but maybe we can, yeah, one of you guys can first just sort of dive into how you got started in CrossFit and what your journey with it was. Yeah. I, I mean, my start into CrossFit was actually, I think I mentioned this in the episode that we did right at the beginning that was kind of talking about my story, but, um, to kind of make it pretty short, I basically came found CrossFit when I was living in San Diego and working for Lululemon. And so I worked for Lululemon for 
three years, two or three years, something like that. And the really cool thing about them is that they encourage you to try a whole bunch of different workouts. They're very much into yoga, but they also encourage you to try a lot of different things. And the cool thing, I don't know if they still do this, but they used to pay for all of our workouts, which was amazing. And so I started CrossFit and it was actually paid for by my work. Um, and for me, it started out as just this like fun new thing where I was like, oh my gosh, I can lift weights. Like, this is amazing. I had never lifted with a barbell before. I just thought, I remember, I remember specifically when I was doing my fundamentals course and I did it one-on-one -on -one with the, the coach who was a female, it was a female box owner, female coach, just total badass woman. And I remember doing uh, like one of the workouts was like 75 power cleans for time. And she was right there with me the whole time, which is like, you hear that and you're like 75 power cleans for time. Like, do you really need to be doing that? But at the time it was like, and Olivia's probably like, what? No. <laughs> I just had to interrupt because I feel so conflicted with this because, you know, as a coach, that really pains me. But as a trainee, I'm just like, oh, yes, I love that so much. <laughs> exactly. And it's one of those things that like at that point, it's like you don't know what you don't know. And keep in mind, this was in 2010. And so even her as a trainer, like didn't know that much about CrossFit at that time because CrossFit was super new, right? Nobody really knew what it was. So then from there, I actually stopped doing CrossFit for about three years when I moved up to San Francisco because it was it was like $300 a month to go to a CrossFit gym in San Francisco. And I worked for TRX. So we had, you know, TRX training. So we had a gym in, in the office. And so I could train there for free. And so I did a ton of TRX for the, for like those, those years. And then when I got to Barcelona was when I got back into CrossFit. And I remember my first days back in CrossFit where like there were, there was one day, I remember sitting in a cafe trying to work. So at that point I was working online for another company. And I remember sitting in a cafe and I had done power cleans the day before. And I thought I had rhabdo because I couldn't extend my arms. And it was like one of those things where, you know, being sore at the beginning of CrossFit is almost like this badge of honor that you hold where it's like, oh, I'm sore. Like I did a lot of work. You know, this is so cool. Like I remember that day it had crossed over into the point where I was terrified. I was like, I don't know if I'm okay. And for some reason, I was like, no worries, I'll go back tomorrow. <laughs> and so from there, you know, CrossFit for me in Barcelona signified a lot because it signified the beginning of my community. And this was where I met like all of my closest friends. Um, this is where I felt kind of the most at home in this new place where I didn't know anybody. And so I ended up spending like six days a week at CrossFit. And, you know, when you start, you have this progression where you kind of like go really fast and then you plateau. And I realized for me that one of the things that I absolutely loved was teaching other people how to do things that took me a really long time to, to, to learn because I'm not naturally athletic. So that was kind of my shift into coaching was as I learned, I was really invested in sort of like teaching other people how to move the way that I taught myself how to move. And I remember I had this dream of like being on CrossFit seminar staff, which I actually interned for seminar staff. I had a dream about that last night, which was very strange. Um, but I actually interned for seminar staff and that, you know, luckily turned out very different than what I had planned. But I went from being sort of a recreational CrossFitter and occasional coach to competing in my first CrossFit competitions. And that was really mentally stressful for me because I am very competitive, but I'm not very, like, I'm not athletic and I'm not that good at CrossFit to be completely honest. Like, I'm not very good <laughs> at it. And so it was this very stressful environment for me where I felt like I was constantly behind. 
I felt like I constantly had to catch up and constantly prove myself and train harder. And it just, you know, competitive CrossFit was not for me. Basically from there, I went into, uh, Olympic weightlifting, competed in Olympic weightlifting competition side, really got, got hard on me. I remember anyways, I'm not going to get too deep into this, uh, competed in Olympic weightlifting for a little while. And then realized that I would much rather coach someone to do these things than do them myself. And so I decided to step back from competitive weightlifting, step back from, um, from competing in CrossFit and, that was really helpful in improving my relationship with exercise. It's so everyone's um, entry into, into CrossFit is just so amazing. Like I love hearing about people's first, first like workouts and, and stuff like that. So for me, I was actually doing bodybuilding and then I saw a, what are they called? Like a cheap, Groupon. That's it. Yep. I saw a Groupon thing. I was like, I loved Groupon. Um, I was always out for a deal. <laughs> I was out for a bargain. <laughs> um, also CrossFit's I, expensive. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, and so this one came up and I kept going back to it. I kept looking at it all day. I remember. And I was like, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? And then I did. And it was, it was awesome. But I continued, so I started this, I think it was like a six week um, thing, cheap membership. And I started this and I was also doing my bodybuilding stuff. And when I, I was prepping for competition, but when I started CrossFit, I was like, holy smokes, this is awesome. So I was doing both of them at the same time, which is CrossFit is completely on the other end of the spectrum to what you need to do for bodybuilding. For bodybuilding, you're getting lean, you're doing, you're training bodybuilding style, you're not doing a lot of high intensity. And with CrossFit, you need to eat to do high intensity, and you're doing high intensity. And so it just was crazy. But anyway, I kept doing this for a really long time until I had to, and I talked about this in my um, episode of, of my story as well, where I stopped CrossFit for a while, focused on bodybuilding. Then once I had completely burnt myself out with that, came back to CrossFit, which was a relief at the time to not have to think about getting on stage in a little bikini, that I could focus on getting strong. I could focus on doing power cleans. I could, you know, do box jumps, like all of these fun things without that hanging over my head. But I just swapped one obsession for another, right? But with that as well, I still had the obsession of trying to look like a CrossFit girl while doing CrossFit. So actually, I still had that obsession of trying to manage my body with that as well. And so my relationship with CrossFit was very, um, as an athlete, quite sort of fraught. But I, I was very, very focused on performance. But because I had that little thing in my head not little, but I really pushed it aside, but it was actually quite significant of looking like a CrossFit athlete. I left so much potential on the table for what I could actually do. And I had some success with it. You know, I sort of performed quite well in some things. Like I won the CrossFit Open in Taiwan, which was a goal of mine. But honestly, I was working at like 70% of what I could put, possibly do because I was underfed I was not being honest with myself and the people around me about 
how I actually felt about myself. And I was so trying to keep up appearances with my performance and with athletics. So I actually got to a point where I was like, okay, I, I have to stop because of my health. Um, obviously, you know, we've talked about this before, um, missing period and stuff like that. But there was a lot of stuff like for all of us that went in between that. But with being an athlete, I was also a coach for a really long time as well. So coaching CrossFit, um, coaching classes, and also sort of doing like one-on-one with that as well. And I still do. So I'm still very much involved in CrossFit. I've got clients that are competing in the open right now. And a lot of my clients sort of have come from that background. I'm still very, very much involved in it. And I love it, but it's very much about application. The, the, CrossFit, it's all about application. And even within that word application, it's like, there are so many things that we need to talk about within that. So I I do love it, but um, how I applied it to myself in many parts was troublesome. And I think about what I could have done if I had addressed the issues that I maybe had with my body image, honestly, like being very truthful, truthful about that, you know? the background that we come into CrossFit with is so important and really affects our relationship with it and for you you, like you said you came from this competitive bodybuilding background and so with an emphasis both on competition and on how your body looks and then just sort of transferred that over into CrossFit and for me on the CrossFit front I think I was actually pretty fortunate in that when I got into CrossFit in China there was it was there were three gyms like the gym that Tim opened was the third gym in China. And so the competition side of CrossFit was pretty non-existent at that point because there was no one to compete with. And the, the open, although we did it, was very much about our community within the gym. And it wasn't, no one in our gym was trying to like end up top in Asia or anything like that. And so in terms of the competitive side of CrossFit that I think took away a lot of that potential for me to fall into it. But I'm also not a competitive person by nature, which sounds funny because then I ended up competing in jujitsu and Spartan race, but I found that very, very different to CrossFit competition. And anyway, because I was so early in CrossFit in China and because I was an event planner, like that's, (laughs) that's what I was doing before I went into fitness was like event planning for the art industry. And so I took those skills over into CrossFit and it ended up being me that was planning a lot of the competitions. And because I was planning a lot of the competitions, I was almost never partaking in the competitions. I was coordinating them. And then the same thing with coaching, like because I was so early being in the coaching space in China, that was a big priority for me over competing because that was the next stage in CrossFit at the time. There wasn't a competing part of it. And because like Jillian, I was, I was not from an athletic background at all. The same thing that applied to you, Jillian, applied to me, which, which was that I just loved coaching people through things that I had thought would be impossible for my body. And I found out they weren't. And, and also as someone who's very uncoordinated being like, whoa, like I can do double unders, like who knew? And then seeing other people struggling at the very beginning and being like, I know I've been where you're at. And therefore I know that you can move out of this. Whereas my first experience with a lot of coaching was being coached by guys who had a college athletic background 
and had never struggled with any of that stuff because they could just do it like oh you, so- you can't do that just do just kip and you're like this no that doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah yeah or being told like you can't do it of course you can do a push-up I was like, what are you talking? You don't know what I can do. You like, you obviously don't understand this process. And so I wanted to step in so that other women would have someone who did understand the process. So they didn't have that same feeling of just like having their needs ignored in that way. But yeah, I, I think that I'd love for us to talk about the open. So Olivia men- mentioned the open. And I think that was a big part of the community side, which is one of my favorite things about CrossFit and being able to travel and go to different gyms and take part in the open all over the world so maybe we can touch on that because it's going on right now it's going on right now it's a little bit different to how it normally is define normal but how it normally is so yeah let's talk about it and I think the CrossFit Open is such an incredible community builder but at the same time for some people can really really wreak havoc on their kind of emotional state within within fitness and within you know competition in general um you know on one side there was i remember sort of my first open that i did here in in Barcelona. And so just to kind of go back and define what the open is in case someone is, is listening and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? So every year, um, except for, I think two years ago, they had two in the same year, but generally it's every single year, um, within CrossFit, they have these, these workouts that come out, you complete them in your gym this year. What's really cool. I, I love that what they're doing this year is you have the option of doing like an equipment free open. And so you can actually do all of the workouts, even if you don't have any equipment, because they know that a lot of people's gyms may be closed and it's an online competition. And so this online competition is basically the feeder into, uh, or traditionally had been the feeder into the CrossFit games, which is like the Olympics of CrossFit essentially. And so that's going on right now. It's been shortened. It used to be five weeks. This year, it's three weeks, I believe. And and so I remember my first open in Spain and it was just like amazing celebration with like loud music. I know a lot of gyms do like Friday night lights where, you know, the open workouts would come out on Thursday and Friday would be this big fun event um, where everybody in the gym would compete. And I think that it is sort of a double-edged sword because I remember for me when it was really fun. And I also remember for me when it was extraordinarily stressful because you end up comparing yourself to everyone else. You're constantly looking at the leaderboard. You know, you are starting to, to, it ends up taking this beautiful community in some senses and turning it into like very catty, like, well, she didn't get this many amount of reps. So that's kind of what I saw it turn into was that it had sort of these both sides where it was this amazing community builder. And then it also brought out, you know, competition can bring out some really interesting things in people. Again, it comes down to that like application thing, you know, like for some people, because a lot of people that start CrossFit, because it's a very new it's a new thing, right? And so a lot of people that start CrossFit are adults that maybe are doing a handstand for the first time since they were a child or something like that. And so for many people, the open is a really cool thing to give purpose to their training and something to work towards and something to actually challenge themselves like outside of work or like their their life, you know, and it's kind of like their, their thing, it's their me time. And then it's an opportunity for them to test themselves. But then on the other hand, it can be a really, really, really stressful thing. And this is where it's like, 
a, an extra stressor of doing these workouts each week and then potentially repeating them. And if you're not going to the CrossFit Games, it's just like a whole lot of extra stress. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of that comes down to, again, that comes from the top down, right? With um, what an environment is, is like in a gym. And if there are, you know, conversations around this and like education around you know, managing that mindset, managing the stress, um, the reality of it and why you're doing it, I think is really important. And I think that there are some gyms that, you know, do that really, really well. But again, it's the, it's the application of it and how you as an individual decide to think about it and yourself in that situation. Right. Which is why it's important for people to always remember why they actually started CrossFit in the first place. Because like you said, the Open can be cool to be some extra purpose some extra motivation for your training but if it becomes the only purpose and the only motivation for your training when you're not aiming to then end up in regionals or the crossfit games or your life doesn't depend on it then forgetting why you actually started crossfit in the first place which was probably to get healthier or to get in shape or to join a community none of those are dependent on how you do in the crossfit open and like the cool thing with the crossfit open is that it's like this yearly sort of check. You can you can treat it as a yearly check-in with yourself to be like, what could I do last year versus what I can do this year? Like, oh, last year I couldn't do uh, double unders or I couldn't do an overhead squat. And then this year I worked really hard on my overhead mobility or I worked really hard on my coordination. And now I can do some double unders in the open for the first time, or I can do an overhead squat this year. Like that kind of progressive achievement is good. It's like a nice feeling to have, to have that check-in. And yet at the same time, some of the movements are pretty arbitrary. And you're like, do regular people really need to be pressuring themselves to be able to do a handstand walk? Like the amount of injuries that came up in the open once people started being like, oh, handstand walk is in the open. I better be able to do one. And then it's like, okay, cool. But was that actually anything related to your initial purpose of doing CrossFit? And and does that relate to why you actually enjoy the open at all? So I think sometimes that arbitrary nature of it you just have to check in with why did I actually start doing CrossFit in the first place is the open still fun for me or have I turned it into a replacement for my real reasonings for wanting to do this but this actually goes back to you know it's really similar to what we see in in diet and nutrition where it's kind of like I would see people every year in the open that were like you know what my wrist is really hurting but like you know I have to do these 60 kilo snatches because I have to you know I have to get a score on the board and it's like with nutrition when we try to cut corners like that where it's like oh you know I know I should have been eating vegetables through you know all year long in order to kind of like get ready for summer. You know, everybody wants that summer body, but like, Ooh, I didn't do it. So I'm just going to, you know, stop eating or cut carbs or do keto or whatever for three weeks to get ready for summer. And it's like, you know, with the open every year, I would see people like frantically taping their wrists or like, you know, feeling out their shoulders being like, "Mm, am I going to be okay? And, and as a coach seeing them and being like, Hey, I just want you to know that like, it is not worth it for you to injure yourself or even potentially injure yourself for one workout that actually isn't going to contribute anything towards your life, except for you seeing your name and a little number next to it on, on, on a screen. Hand and so, ripping, hand ripping yeah. pictures during the open. And, like, well, and, and this was like the hand ripping, for example, I, you know, in, in competitions, when my hand would rip, I'd be like, okay, I think I'm done now. 
Like, I think I don't need to be bleeding everywhere. Like, I don't want to do another pull-up. My hand is falling off. And you see people in CrossFit competition, in these amateur CrossFit competitions, their hands are like dripping blood. And they're like, look at, at me. And I'm like, wow, this is, wow. I do think though, we need to remember that spectrum of like, I think that CrossFit is really great because it really does like push people, you know? Yes, and, yes. And often- we want to be anti-fragile. And I think that some people are a little too fragile and need to be pushed. And so I think that, you know, sometimes that is quite good. But then again, we just have to think about how massive this spectrum is. And also when we think about functional fitness, we think about CrossFit, but so often CrossFit doesn't turn into actual functional fitness because like Holly said, you know, the core movements of CrossFit, some of them aren't actually that functional and also when we're only moving in one plane you know we're not doing a lot of like twisting we're just going like up and down all the time and so that's not often that functional and so yeah I don't know it's a, it's a really interesting thing but like with the open I have um one of my clients we were just having this conversation about how to approach this workout that has just come out now and I just had to remind remember like the cost benefit you know you're not going to the the CrossFit games you have a baby you are coming back from injury do you want to push really 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 hard in this workout to annihilate yourself to murder yourself potentially put yourself at risk again with your shoulder or do you want to just kind of like regulate that a little bit go in like go hard but also just be mindful about that but, you know, saying, saying all of this, CrossFit has been, I think, for all of us, has been this really, really beautiful thing that has happened in our lives. And I know that when I was in Taiwan, you know, like you, Holly, in China, there were only a couple of gyms. And now there are so many. I don't even know how many. And the amount of women that have started lifting from CrossFit being introduced in Taiwan is incredible and I think that that is nation like globally you know um, and I think that that is one of the most beautiful things that has come out of CrossFit is introducing women to lifting when that wasn't even a thing for me 100 percent 100 I think that I think for me that's probably my favorite thing about CrossFit out of anything out of there, there are so many things I do love about it but the encouraging women to strength train has to be the number one and obviously it can go the wrong direction but even just the fact I think you know for both Jillian and I we hadn't used a barbell before we went into a CrossFit gym and barbells are so awesome and so are kettlebells and so are dumbbells but there's something awesome about lifting a barbell that is just so empowering and I, I never would have touched a barbell if I hadn't have gone into a CrossFit gym where it was the norm and seeing other women around you doing barbells or doing pull-ups or doing all this other stuff that you were like, women can do that. Like w women around me can do that. Cause it's different when you see an athlete do it on the TV or something to when it's like people that you know who aren't athletes and have an office job and are doing it next to you. And it kind of challenges your perceptions around what you think is possible. And then for me in particular, and I guess same for you, Olivia, but seeing this in Asia challenging Asian women's sort of stereotypes in terms of like cultural expectations of them was just amazing. Seeing Chinese women come in and go from the goal of like like mermaid lines, which is basically like those ab lines, but not like six pack abs, they call it mermaid lines. 
a lot of them would come in and be like, I just want mermaid lines. And we'd be like, all right, cool. But then, but then a year later, they'd be like getting their first pull up and trying to like PR their deadlift. And that change in mindset was just so cool. I'm in completely in agreement with you that seeing women be able to, and myself as well, like be able to do hard things. Like I think, you know, in, in the context of weightlifting, but also just in general, like realizing that you can do things that are difficult and like, it's going to hurt and it, and it, you might want to quit, but then you don't. And then you feel so proud of yourself afterwards. Like I, I always think about, um, when I was coaching at one of the gyms, at one point I was coaching at two gyms here in Barcelona and at one of the gyms, there was this, um, these women that were in their early, early fifties, late forties. And they, you know, had never lifted weights before. And I remember watching them kind of progress from like not being able to do a handstand to being able to kick up against the wall, you know, not being able to do a squat to being able to do like a squat snatch, which obviously was a very long process. And I don't necessarily think that everybody needs to know how to squat snatch, but these women were able to, to go do that. But then it changed how they acted outside of the gym. Like you would see them before, you know, and they would come into the gym and be very meek. And then they sort of blossomed into like talking to everyone and joking and seeing, being really confident. And they would tell me about these things in their lives that had changed because they knew that they could do difficult things. And that like that, you know, is the combination of like the community aspect, but also the strength training aspect, I think is just what is, what makes CrossFit something that I think is also very emotional for a lot of people. Like I feel very protective over CrossFit, even though I don't necessarily think that everybody should be doing it or needs to be doing it, but I adore it so much because it does offer that sort of gateway into, you know, it's like the, it's like the marijuana of strength training. Yeah. And I, but I think that what you said is really important there, Jillian, that, you know, women realizing what they can do when they're doing strength training and being able to push, you know, get one more burpee out, you know, to do these things. This is really cool. But I think that we need to also think about like, what is the true essence of that? And the true essence of that is like effort, you know? And I think that CrossFit, it creates this environment to actually really apply effort to things and learn that you can do that and what you can sort of do from that. But strength training in general, I think, is just such a powerful, powerful thing for women. And so I think that 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 can be applied for like all kind of like strength and all kind of conditioning, that it's actually what we bring as individuals to what we're doing. And I always say this, but there is no better metaphor for life than how we show up in the gym and how we show up out of in life, you know, that how we approach things in the gym, whether that is with like grit and we are like, okay, come on, one more burpee. Or if that is, holy smokes, I probably shouldn't be lifting this, doing this deadlift today. I need to pull back a bit because I've had a crazy day. I mean, both those like end of the spectrum, our effort is relative. And so what we do in the gym is teaches us so much about re resilience and the kind of person that we want to be outside of the gym. So I think that that goes along with what you were saying, Jillian, about, you know, those women, like what were that they were doing out of the gym and really that essence of is us as an individual and the effort that we bring and that relative effort with whatever that is. That's grit. It's that grit that you like, 
I think that that is kind of the key of it is that CrossFit in many situations teaches grit and grit is a determinant of, of many other things in your life. But what it doesn't teach is when to pull back. And I think that's what you're going to say is that it doesn't, it teaches you just to go hard, go hard, but it doesn't teach you when to pull back. I mean, that's why I always like my program, right? It's called grit and grace. Like that's what I always talk about because when you have, especially in CrossFit, when you have that harmony of grit and grace and you're able to self-regulate, which is not something that's actually taught and is something that is truly missing in a lot of CrossFit gyms, when you have that, that is when you have sustainability in CrossFit and sustainability in fitness in general. I think that what Olivia mentioned, combining that with what Gillian mentioned, right? So the fact that the resilience and stuff that we can learn from that and, and sort of challenging our perceptions of what we can do out of the gym totally can come from just strength training. But CrossFit functioning as that gateway drug for so many people into strength training, for women in particular into strength training. And so a lot of what we got out of CrossFit in terms of that side of things isn't necessarily specific to CrossFit. It's just that we might not have ended up trying it in the first place if CrossFit hadn't have been there. But one thing I think that you get from CrossFit that you can't get from regular strength training in the same way is that global community. And just as an example, like I don't think the three of us would be here being connected right now if the CrossFit community hadn't have existed. Because the way definitely I met Jillian, not because I wouldn't yeah. have met I wouldn't have met Omar. And, and like, because I met him while I was, I was translating for CrossFit level ones or level I met him, I met him because he was traveling around China, dropping into CrossFit gyms, which is something that like, that's one of the, my favorite parts about CrossFit was when I would go to like South Africa, I would drop into a gym in South Africa and everyone there would be like, oh, wow, that's so cool that you're dropping in from Beijing. And then you'd go to like Singapore and dropping in a gym there and everyone would be so welcoming. And it's this like sort of warm community that you can drop into wherever. And it also makes it, if, if you're like us and, and expats and moving to new places, I guess even if you're not an expat, being able to sort of have this instant warm community that you can rely on to, to support you is something that I haven't found yet in a strength training basis. Although I do think can be found in jujitsu as well, but maybe not quite as intensely as CrossFit. I have to say though, um, just on drop, I, I think I said this to um, Edward, my husband, the other day. I love dropping into gyms, like like you said, Holly. But I would, even though I've been a coach for so many years, and you know, been doing CrossFit for, I think over ten years now, I still get nervous. <laughs> I still get so Me nervous. Too. Like, Me dropping too. Dropping into a gym, I'm like, oh my gosh, like what if what if I oh my gosh, I don't know, like, what if I can't do the workout, which is just like so silly. What if they don't like me? What if they don't yeah. want me? <laughs> but I think that's because it's like something that we high, hold in very high esteem, right? And this is where it's interesting because part of this conversation is like, we don't do CrossFit anymore. And that's not something that we necessarily, you know, for our health or for the way that we train fits into our lifestyle, but we still have this like very strong love for it and respect for it as sort of a, a construct for a lot of the things that have happened in our lives. Old school CrossFit is its own kind of beast, but what it's morphed into now with some like really good gyms that have like actual progressive programming, it, it's pretty much just like strength and conditioning. 
you know? Um, and so that's the way that I see it now. And I, that's the way that I program as well. It's like strength and conditioning. And that can look a little bit crossfitty. It can look a little bit like functional bodybuilding. It can look a little bit like powerlifting, like all of these pieces together. But I think that that's, you know, functional fitness. Um, but there are still a lot of gyms that are still working in that really old school, like hopper model, right? Where they're doing random workouts every day. And there's no progression to what they're actually doing. And that's when people are getting burnt out, when there isn't the education to be able to regulate, there isn't the education for how to have grace, you know, that it's just grit the whole time. And that's still out there. And that that is when things become a problem. And that is when I think, you know, picking up on what you said at the beginning, Gillian, about your CrossFit experience, how you said, I never felt like I was good enough you know, and that is when we get into burnout with doing this and it's high intensity all the time. It's just like chasing more, 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 more. I have to do more, more, more to get better and better and better. And it's like more volume, more volume. And then what happens is that you don't get better. You get injured, you regress, you plateau because it's not actually about doing more and more volume. It's like, how well are you doing it? And this is that, that is the intensity piece with CrossFit or functional fitness. It's like, it's not about doing more. It's about how well are you actually doing it? How well are you bringing high intensity? And that comes from how well are you actually recovering and how well are you actually moving and how strong are you? And that's a missing piece as well within CrossFit is that, especially for women, that if you're going in to do a workout and you're doing one strength lift and then you're doing like a Metcon, and there's a whole lot on the table, like missing for like accessory work and stuff like that, so that you can actually get better. And I think that, again, that's in gyms where programming maybe isn't um, as refined, but that that's a problem that I, I do see with CrossFit. Oh, I could go on forever about this. It's, yeah. I, and, I, and I think that what happens also in CrossFit, and one of the things that I am not a huge fan with or of, is that I think that what happens with people, you know, we see this in, in diet and nutrition as well, is like people that believe that more is better end up running themselves into the ground really quickly with CrossFit. But I think that that could be said also, you know, for Orange Theory or Barry's Boot Camp or like any high intensity exercise. But what, you know, what we see is like, you know, we see, for example, these, these women that are competing in the CrossFit games, or now we have this sort of like genre of women that aren't necessarily even high level competitors, but they have the look and they have a certain level. So they, you know, they may have similar to like us where we were under eating and over training for a certain look is like these women, I think are now very prevalent on social media. And so that becomes sort of like the role model for a lot of other women as they start getting into CrossFit. And so then what happens is we think like, oh, you know, this woman that I saw on social media or whatever is doing this workout and eating this much. So I should be doing that too. And we're forgetting like you, what you just said is like the buildup to all of that is very important. And also the context of your life. Like if someone is, for example, if someone is earning money off of sponsorships on social media and they only have to work, you know, three to four hours a day to kind of fill in everything else, 
or, you know, if they have a very flexible work schedule, if they work in a gym, like it makes a lot of sense that they're going to be able to dedicate a lot more time and effort to that. Whereas if you have kids, if you have a family, if you have other obligations or you're working like, you know, a nine to five hour job, you know, it doesn't make sense for you to go train in the morning, train at night, like under eat with all the other stress that you have going on. And that's when we start to see these big health issues and people getting stuck and being like, I'm doing so much and I'm not progressing. Why is that? And this is also where that, that sort of warm, close community that we mentioned that can be an amazing part of CrossFit can also be a, a detriment as well. Because besides the social media thing where you're scrolling through social media and you're seeing athletes look a certain way and then feel like you have to look that way or train that way or eat that way, there's also a culture within the gym. And not everyone will buy into that culture, but humans by nature are her are herd mentality beings. Like we want to be part of a clan and part of a tribe and we want to fit in. And so if the culture in your gym is one of training multiple times per day, and that's what everyone else is doing, or pushing yourself as hard as possible, or writing scores up on the whiteboard and having this running leaderboard, which there's a lot of discussion around, but personally, I'm not a big fan of for this kind of reason, it takes away from that check-in with yourself because you end up buying in so much to trying to fit in and doing what everyone else is doing, especially if you're looking to people that are more experienced than you in CrossFit and trying to follow what they're doing when what they're doing might be what we were all doing, which is burning ourselves into the ground. And if you were like looking at us and being like, let me do what those girls are doing. Like they've got abs, like they've been here a while. They can do all the movements. Like, that's really cool. I want to be able to do that. Following those people in inside that warm community of the gym might actually be pulling you away from health, not towards it. Oh man, this conversation is just so massive. This is a, so just touching on what you said, Jillian, there is one CrossFit Games athlete that I have in mind that sells an ab program. And that pains me to like so much. And this is where it's in CrossFit itself, like the message that they put across, right? Not the games, but CrossFit of health, right? They talk about health, health, health. And this is where people get so confused because because I like, oh, CrossFit's like this, you know, functional, like health, you know, like, whoa, like really cool, like good thing. But then then we see like these cross CrossFit athletes that are talking about health, but then selling ab programs. And this is where it just gets really weird. You know, touching on what you're saying as well, Holly, is that any group program, there are two things that need to happen. Because what you're saying is that herd mentality, right? So if they're doing that, then I, I should be doing that or I need to be doing that, whatever. Is first of all, there has to be education from the coach for how an individual can look after themselves in a group environment. Um, because you only know what you know. And if individuals are coming into a group environment and they don't know how to assess their biofeedback, they don't know how to you know, see how they actually feel in their body after not sleeping so well or a stressful day at work and how they need to actually regulate and how they can actually manage their mind and manage their ego to actually pull back in those circumstances, then that's when things get really messy as well. And that's when we we keep like feeding into this, like not good enoughness. I have to do more. I have to do more. And so 
self-regulation within a group environment and that's not just crossfit that is f45 that is orange theory that's like boot camps that's everything is so so crucial and again it goes back to what i was saying like sustainability and fitness comes from very good you know good program design like good protocols like good frameworks for exercise prescription and your ability to self-regulate within that and I think that this comes back to also our kind of our discussion about boundaries a couple of weeks ago, right? Is like, you're essentially like when you're in a group setting, are you able to create boundaries within that to know that like, okay, this other person is doing this thing that doesn't need to apply to me. And that's a boundary with ourselves. But I think also kind of going back to the conversation around the, you know, the role models within the CrossFit sphere is that I think that now, luckily we are seeing some come out, some, especially women come out. I know like Meredith Root and, and her partner have tactic nutrition and they're absolutely amazing. And they're coming out and really talking about like, look, if you are trying to diet, like you can't expect that your performance is going to be high. And if you're looking for ultimate performance, you can't expect that you are going to be at your lowest body fat percentage ever. But then we still have, like you said, we still have these women that are coming out and there's a couple, you know, high level kind of CrossFit names that you, you know, they'll, they'll be like, this is what this person eats in a day. And it's like those articles and those videos anger me so much because I'll be that and be like, there is no way that's what you eat in a day. If you did, you, you wouldn't be able to actually perform the way that you're performing. That may be what you're eating in food, but I want to hear what you're eating in like protein powders and supplements and intracarb workout drinks. And also touching on like, okay, when we are training for ultimate body composition, we cannot also simultaneously be training for ultimate performance. The two do not go together. That is not something that we can pretend is going to happen. And this is where there's, when we start looking at like, who do we want to look up to in the CrossFit space? Like, for example, I know, um, you know, anyone that's listening, Amanda Barnhart has been really open about this. Um, as I mentioned, Meredith Root and her partner is really great about this. There's uh, Julie Fouché has been open a little bit, has been open a little bit more about that, I believe. But then there's other CrossFit athletes that you see that are still promoting this, like, you know, train hard, like get abs and, you know, eat low calories. Like I've seen CrossFit athletes that claim to be eating less than 2000 calories a day, which is absolute and utter like bullshit. I'm sorry. It is. I'll just, um, yeah. I mean, that was me, right? I mean that for so long. Oh, yeah. um, I and, and also just as a side note, please, please for all, like the love of all things good, do not attempt to do keto and CrossFit, please. That is the worst possible thing that you could do if you care about performance the low carb thing was was kind of a big problem that came along with crossfit because of this heavy promotion of paleo which for some reason turned into like low carb paleo even though paleo could totally be not low carb and yet it came up that way and we're yes, going to sweet talk potatoes are paleo week. guys eat, eat yeah. sweet potatoes they're delicious but but we're going to talk next week, I think, a lot more about sort of macronutrients, so carbs, fats, proteins, and like how that will relate to health and performance. But I think the last thing that we wanted to touch on in terms of the CrossFit side of things, and one of the things that we, that we don't love about CrossFit, which is the sort of RX versus scaled 
part of it which is that like most of the time when you go into a crossfit gym and you look out look at the workout on the board besides just saying like here's the workout here are the movements we're going to go through it also says and here are the weights you should be trying to use so i think that we all have some thoughts on that so i'll pass it out yeah oh yes yeah (laughs) this is like this is one where i specifically would say to my classes you know when we would would be at the front of the you know front of the class talking at the what the workout is i would explain to them like look we are not trying to impress anyone here with how much weight we're lifting we're trying to impress people with the quality of our movement so i don't want i don't care if you're able to go rx i care if you're able to do the movements with quality, you know, with quality movement. And so this was a constant battle. And I think, you know, this is where it's interesting because you see people's egos really start to play into it. And you, and unfortunately, although I hate kind of making this distinction between men and women, it tended to be that women would go low and men would go high. Right. And so this is where, you know, it, it, we see this a lot in society where it's like women tend to underestimate their capabilities. Men tend to overestimate their capabilities, but on the same side is like, when you, when you see females that are very invested in CrossFit, then you start to see that more sort of male characteristic or male or generally male attribute of going heavier than, than need be, or being frustrated when they can't go heavier than they should again, like I know I, I feel like I'm sort of like a broken record here. So first of all, this is the difference between CrossFit for training and CrossFit for competition, right? Because when we are doing something like the CrossFit Open, or if you're doing a local competition or something like that, there will be prescribed weights. And so you do need to be able to do those weights or movements or whatever, right? But if you're not doing that, then when you're able to actually understand what you're capable of, whether that be more or less, that is when you're actually going to see really good progress. Instead of striving for these like numbers that it just, it honestly doesn't make sense. Like it, it doesn't make sense in terms of not, and not a competition setting that we are telling people that they have to use these weights when people are coming from completely different backgrounds, experience, age, training age, like that life that day. And so in terms of programming for CrossFit, you know, teaching people again, like how to regulate and how how to auto-regulate is really important. And also for coaches to educate the uh, clients on what is the intention and the stimulus that, that they should be getting from this workout. So if they are, you know, doing a two, like six, two minute MRAPs and they're using, and it's like thrusters and burpees and the thruster is taking them like nearly the whole two minutes, then they're not getting any burpees in, then they're getting a totally different stimulus, right? They're doing strength training rather than a very high intensity, like mixed modal piece, right? And so that is the most important piece. It's like, what is the intention? And that comes from the programming. What is the stimulus you're trying to get? And then teaching people how they can choose their weights and what they know is good for them on any given day so that they're getting that stimulus. I just want to touch on this from a client perspective because a lot of the people that are listening might be on the client side and they might not be in control of the programming at their gym or changing that. And they might not be in control of how their coach communicates the workout to them, but you can advocate this for yourself too. Like if you were listening to this 
when we were talking about all, all the things we love about CrossFit and you were like, I can't wait to try this thing. Sounds amazing. I want to get into lifting. And then you heard us being like, but sometimes gyms are terrible. And you're like, oh God, <laughs> what do I do now? Like you can totally still, still go to the gym. Even though there's only one gym in your area and you don't have lots of choice. Let's say you go to the gym in your area. It's the only one that's close by. You love that it gets you into lifting, but they do have this kind of more bro culture or they're not explaining the purpose of the workouts you can advocate for yourself by asking the coach like how many reps should I be able to do in a row without having to put the barbell down and knowing that you should be able to do that with good form not that shouldn't be your max and then asking them like in this six minute AMRAP how many rounds should I be aiming for or how long should like one round of it be taking me and and ask those questions like stand up for yourself and ask those questions and if the coach actually can't answer those questions for you then, then maybe genuinely that isn't the best gym to be going to. But if they can, then at least, even if they're not telling the rest of the class, at least you can sort of advocate for yourself there and make sure that you are getting the correct stimulus for your body. Yes, 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 yes. One million percent. I love that so much. And again, you know what you know, right? So now to those of you that are listening, you know that like you can be an informed trainee, you know, and I love what you said about advocating for yourself, Holly. I think that that is so important. And this doesn't just apply to CrossFit, right? I mean, this is across the board. This is if you're working with a personal trainer, if you're working with, um, if you're doing any kind of group fitness, if you're in any kind of like exercise environment and someone is advising you and also yourself, like, what am I trying to do here? What's the point? that's when you're going to, again, have sustainability in what you're doing and you're truly doing it for yourself and for your body. And this comes down to a lot also just staying in your own goddamn lane. Like, cause I think we spend so much time looking at other people and being like, well, this person's doing this thing. I should do this. Well, this person's doing that thing. I can, you know, I should do this. And it's just stay in your own lane. You know, focus on on yourself, compete against yourself. This is why, you know, we recommend definitely tracking your workouts, keeping track of what weights you're using, what times you're doing, because then you can truly start comparing yourself to yourself rather than constantly comparing yourself to everything that's going on around you. I would also say, though, is that sometimes comparing yourself to yourself can also be problematic because, and this is what I see a lot with women who compare themselves to themselves 20 years ago you know and that's probably or not, even maybe even not us so doing it with ourselves like two yeah. years ago right no I'm, yeah, I mean and I mean you're no you guys are totally right I mean on like a short term like if you are starting like if you were starting CrossFit today like it would make sense to sort of see where you are you know today and six months from now but obviously if your priorities change and your lifestyle changes like we need to take that into consideration as well yeah so I think tracking your workouts alongside how you how you're feeling yeah, definitely. And I think it bring, you know, comes into that self-compassion piece that we talk about all the time. For example, I went to the gym yesterday or two days ago and I tried snatching. I just tried it to see how it felt. And yeah, there's no way I could hit the weights that I used to hit, but I was really happy because I was still able to hit the movement patterns and the movement patterns were still there. And so that for me made me really proud. And so that was me comparing myself to myself with that lens of self-compassion, not being, you know, like, oh, I can't believe I can't still hit, you know, X amount of weight. But being like, oh, you know what? Like, this feels really heavy, but like my movement patterns are still there. Like, I'm pretty happy about that. And so I think that we can kind of wrap up here saying all in all, like, there are so many things that we love about CrossFit and that we truly, I think all of us can say that like CrossFit gave us 
an opening to so many amazing things in our lives. And then on the other side, it's, you know, like any sort of like tool or like any sort of drug, like any sort of pill, we want to make sure how we're dosing it and how we are using it within our lives and be able to understand like, you know, like a drug or like a pill, how that affects us personally, not necessarily, you know, how it affects the person next to you, but how are those like, you know, bringing it back to that analogy is like, what are the side effects of this drug and how is it affecting me? Rather than just like, oh, well, I see that it works perfectly for this person. So if it's not working for me, I'm the problem. And so goes back to the auto-regulation piece, which I know we're going to need to talk a lot more about specific auto-regulation on future episodes. Um, this is me putting my foot down and saying that we need to do auto-regulation because I think it's an amazing <laughs> topic that so many people don't know how to do. And, and I work with a lot of clients around food doing that as do you, Holly. And I know, Olivia, this is such a giant part of what you do as a coach in fitness. So I think it's an important thing for us to touch on. And then we went into a little bit about the CrossFit Open, a little bit about competition. And I want everyone to know that's listening right now is like, this is by no means a, a podcast to get you to love or to get you to hate CrossFit. This is simply an observation of something that has been a big part of our lives. And it hopefully give you tools to better understand how to apply that tool and how to apply that experience to you as a person. Or if you don't know anything about CrossFit and you've only heard either amazing things or bad things to hopefully give you kind of a more holistic view of what it looks like and what it can potentially be for you if you do ever decide to try it. Yeah, and I think it's with any kind of fitness, it is this, anything in our life, food, fitness, anything, it is a continual process of inquiry, right? And developing that skill of inquiry. And that is truly where we find autonomy with all of these pieces. And that is truly when we are, as individuals, redefining what fitness is for us, what food is for us, what health is for us. Amen to that, sister. Hey, it's Olivia here. I'm just popping in to tell you about Grit and Grace. This is my semi-individualized, female-specific strength and conditioning program. If you're training hard, but you're feeling exhausted, and maybe a little confused, and you can't seem to hit PRs like you used to, or maybe you're working out and it used to be your jam, but you're starting to wonder if you're missing something because you don't feel the way that you want to. And you're finding that all the time you spend thinking about working out in your body is actually taking you away from your life that needs you outside the gym. Well, imagine if your program was so smart that it actually allowed you to sleep in, to take a day off, to have some wine and some cheese and not feel guilty and not lose progress while actually making progress. You can work out in a way where you're working out hard, but you're still honoring your body hard. And this is exactly what we do inside Grit and Grace. Both are celebrated. Grit and Grace is for women who want to feel athletic. They want to lift well inside the gym and live well outside of the gym. And Grit and Grace is open for enrollment right now. So you can find out more through the link in the notes or reach out to me on Instagram. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Be Well Cartel podcast. Make sure to hit follow on the podcast app of your choice, share this episode, and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. It is a small effort with a big reward and the best way for other like-minded individuals to find the Be Well Cartel. To learn more about the Be Well Cartel community, stay up to date with us on Instagram at 
Be Well Cartel, and see you again next week. We love feedback, so if you have anything to share with us, please reach out via Instagram to let us know what we are doing well, what we can improve on, and how we can support you.